0: everyone, and welcome to Chowhound's Table Talk podcast, where we chat with some of the most influential names in the food space. I'm your host, Hannah Osprink. Hello everyone. Welcome to Chowhound's Table Talk. I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest today. Vicki Benison is the creator of one of my all-time favorite YouTube channels called Pasta Grannies, and her success has spawned a cookbook of the same name. Here, you'll find authentic handmade pasta made directly from the hands of some of Italy's best home cooks. But you won't just find pasta tutorials on her channel or in her cookbook. Pasta Grannies manages be both a how-to series as well as a travel diary that occasionally features Nona of the Italian diaspora. It's a bit of a living history, giving these beloved women a visual platform for their unique and regional specialties. Every episode is a priceless culinary time capsule, and we're so lucky to have Vicky on the scene to capture and curate it all for us. Welcome to New York, Vicky.
1: Thank you very much indeed for inviting me.
0: And congratulations on this amazing cookbook. It again, more than just a cookbook.
1: No, the stories were really important for me um, to be uh, to have the opportunity to have um, longer form storytelling than just on the YouTube um, episodes because they're um, of necessity quite um, short.
0: How has it been going from creating a YouTube channel to extending it in this cookbook format?
1: Well, in a way it was quite easy um, because I already had the content. So it was just a question of disciplining myself <laughs> to write it all down whereas it usually gets carried around in my head and I go oh that's a nice story but then you know you've got a, a March 31st deadline to sort of <laughs> get all the text done and so so um, it wasn't too much of a change or a challenge and I've also written books before so I know what's involved and I also had you know uh, help with testing the recipes because of course none of our ladies, Actually, weigh anything. I was so. <laughs> just going to say that must
0: have posed a big challenge to kind of force measurements onto these notoriously um, loose.
1: <laughs> yes. Cooks. Yes, and so in the end, it is an art. You know, we can we can give guidelines on it. Um, so there are um, rules of thumb for pasta making. The actual pasta itself, and then the condimento is um, the sauce that goes with the pasta is actually usually quite an easy thing to do. You can make your own adaptations very easily, but we still kind of list the method, if you like. But
0: uh, I would love to hear about your very interesting background. I know you've traveled and have grown up in far-flung places, yes. everywhere from, if I'm not mistaken, Siberia and Turkmenistan, yes. and even pursuing a career working in international development in yes. those countries. Yes,
1: yes. Um, so I was born in East Africa. My parents um, were helping with... Um, developing agriculture in um, Africa. So that was a very long time ago, that was the 1950s. Um, and uh, so I was born out in Kenya and a childhood uh, there and in Botswana. And I think that yeah. kind of childhood where you have a lot of physical freedom and you can just go off and you know have play games in the African bush um, gives you a very different perspective and gives you um, a need, I suppose, for adventure. Um, And so that dictated my adult career choices, if you can call them that. Um, I was always looking for interesting work rather than climbing the corporate ladder. Um, So that's how I ended up in international development aid work. Um, And that took me to, as you say, um, Siberia. And I had uh, two years in South Africa, um, which was very interesting. Mm. Uh, That was just um, post-apartheid and uh, Malaysia and Kenya again and uh, Turkmenistan. So sometimes sort of the work, it was a mixture of quite boring and then like being in the world west, you know, Mm. (laughs) Um, sort of as a great mixture and you had lots of different people you were dealing with. So that was fun. And through it all um, was food. That's the unifying thing is I had always loved cooking thanks to my parents who both cooked and so, you know, Letters Home were always lists of uh, food that I had eaten <laughs> and liked and disliked. And and so, uh, you know, the writing home developed into writing little articles and then it, it developed into writing books. And so, and so I was continuing with the consulting and, and writing on the side uh, until the, about 10 years ago when I met my husband, Billy McQueen. And... Uh, um, I stopped traveling because we wanted to see a little bit of each other. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. Yes
0: <laughs> That's incredible. So yes, you mentioned this is not your first book.
1: Um, so the book before this one was called Seasonal Spanish Food, and I co-wrote it with a chef called Jose Pizarro. I see. That was his first book. Um, so that was an experience of, um, you know, writing with someone else. So that was fun. I got to know him and his family and things like that. So that was definitely a, a recipe book. but the f- the bit that I really love is actually um, The sort of food anthropological, the storytelling um, end of of uh, food writing, rather than home economics and and recipe testing. Um, So, working with Jose sort of sparked my appetite to do something more. So the pasta grannies, I thought, oh yeah, you know, you. I was researching another Italian book, and that never saw the light of day. But then that's when I noticed older women, um, you know, the only ones making pasta on a daily basis. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, that's that's really interesting. You know, this is the last generation of women who are having to do that for everyone else who's younger. It's, it's a choice. And most younger women choose not to because they've got to ferry their kids to school and they've got their own work. And it's entirely um, understandable that they're not making pasta every day, you know. <laughs> so, um, and I thought, oh, you know, someone needs to make a record of this. And that's how... Um, filming started I thought initially maybe it was just writing um, maybe it was just photography but it quickly became apparent that it's such a physical process making pasta and you don't really capture the nature of the women either so never having picked up a video camera before that's what I did um, is uh, start making a record of these women so that's how it started Had you
0: already been splitting your time between London and Italy?
1: Yeah. So in 2005, we bought a house in the region called La Marche, which is on the Adriatic side, not the Mediterranean side of Italy. Um, And so, you know, that that helped having a base in Italy um, to do the research. I was kind of, you know, asking the supermarket manager about his mom and that kind of thing.
0: I know. Let's talk a bit about the recruitment of these Italian Nona. Yes. I know you have a a kind of secret weapon, if you will. Yes,
1: my, my secret weapon um, developed, if you like. She is uh, uh, Livia de Giovanna and she's my granny finder. It took <laughs> a couple of years to actually find Livia. Um, it, I find that you need an Italian um, to sort of make the deal happen, if you like, <laughs> is that even if um, I speak Italian I'm a foreigner so mm-hmm. they can say no to foreigners uh, quite easily um but if you have someone going oh but you know we we're friends we've known each other for ages <laughs> how can you
0: say no to that how
1: can you say no yeah so so that's um why that role developed and uh, now um you know she's a great member of the team uh, so yes and my other team member is a guy called Andrea and he's very handsome and charming and the the granny's you know, even if they're nearly a 100, sort of bat their eyelids at it. and go, <laughs> have some more. <laughs> <laughs> Will easy. you marry me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm single.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> you go from recruiting a handful of pasta grannies or mm-hmm. Nona. And at what point did this snowball start to accelerate?
1: Um, so, uh, you know, I I can remember very clearly having 63 subscribers on YouTube, you know, and, and every day worrying about whether it was going to go up or down. Um, and so th- those were the early days. And you have to be persistent with YouTube. And it really helps when people like you, when you were working at Food 52, <laughs> um, pick up on the channel and go, yeah, this is great. Um, so that's what happened is that sort of other bloggers and influencers started to talk about pasta Granny. So that helped um, get more subscribers and more watch time on YouTube. Um, and then um, it accelerated thanks to um, various, you know, uh, news aggregators on Facebook, you know, like Insider and sure. now this. Every time they did something on Pasigranis, um, you know, the, the numbers went rocketing up and, and became um, considerably more. I mean, um, we had, um, <clears throat> well, the first time that happened, um, my husband will tell you that I came down one morning and said, Hey someone's hacked my channel. <laughs> it's gone up 10,000 overnight. There's something wrong. And he's saying, "Are you really going to ring up YouTube and say, uh this I've got so many more subscribers, <laughs> you know." So so you know, it's always really surprising because they don't always tell you that they're actually going to feature Pastor Grannies oh on their, my their goodness. channel. So uh, it was um, I got used to that. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. So was it over It sounds like overnight. Yes. You yeah, went from it, I mean probably you're beyond the sixty three, but Yes, certainly. so
1: I went from five to, you know, a hundred thousand in a mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. And then from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand, um and 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 then it sort of that's when um the Times did an article on Pastor Grannies, and I was page three and my mother was kind of Having heart attack as she read her early morning paper, going, "You didn't tell me that you were going to be in a newspaper." And how dare you! <laughs> and I'm somewhere in Basilicata, going, "Oh, sorry, mum, <laughs> I didn't know either." But <laughs> how has this journey
0: been for you? Um,
1: extraordinary. Um, you know, I set out to celebrate uh, these lovely women, and that's still the case. And it, now that Pasta Grannies is famous, it becomes slightly easier, um, to persuade women. I can imagine, yeah. Mm. Um. And it's such good fun, actually. And I'm really heartened that um, it struck a chord with people. I think they love pasta, but they love grannies even more, and it reminds them of their own grandmothers, even if they couldn't cook. cook. Um, I had one person write in recently who said, you know, my granny only um, cooked with a microwave. (laughs) She hated cooking. (laughs) Uh, so yes, it's that's it's nice to read, and it's such a they're very positive um, followers that I get as well. So that's great.
0: I know. I, I must say I enjoy reading the comments almost as much as I enjoy watching <laughs> um, the episodes. You have an audience with some part her- Italian heritage, for example, but yes. there are plenty who don't and just enjoy it for whatever factor, entertainment, you know, technical appreciation, yes. or just granny love. Yes. So. How Are you still managing all the comments? It's it's quite a number, and you're very active in that forum. I am.
1: Um, None of our women actually volunteer to be on the channel, Um, so I think it's really important that no one is nasty to them or about them. Um, So I do monitor. I mean, look, 99.9% of people are entirely positive, but, you know, I don't want (laughs) – the occasional you know bot to come sure. through and say something that's not appropriate, so i i'm I do it from that reason, but also I think if people are motivated enough to actually say something, then it deserves a response if I can say something you know that adds something nice to what they're saying um so so yes, I am very active with below the line, yeah,
0: I think that pays off for sure <laughs> because you are so warm, and uh you know there are some trolls out there, but you yeah. respond to them very you know. Yeah. Kindly, (laughs) for the most part.
1: (laughs) Sometimes you you have to remember, I mean, if they're kind enough to write in English, um, you know, sometimes something gets lost in translation. So you have to think the best of people. Mm. Um, So that's what I do. And then, you know, sometimes I look at the script and go, ooh, where in the world are they from? (laughs) And uh, so, you know, it's great to actually have so many different nationalities um, making comments. It's great.
0: Now let's talk about the Nona, yeah. what are some of the requirements to be featured on Pasta Grannies?
1: Um, you have to be old. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, my um, youngest granny is actually 44. She was, she is a genuine granny at 44. Um, but genuinely, uh, well, normally we go for women who are as old as possible. I mean, I have someone who's just written in who says, oh, my grandmother's 104, and I'm going... <gasps> Oh, my word. I mean, how quickly can I get to Sardinia? Yes. (laughs) Um, And but, you know, it varies from about 65 plus. Um, And we make exceptions all the time. If someone has a a traditional skill um, and, you know, they're expert at it, then we will film them. Um, You know, it's it's a sort of a a gathering of not just women, but also those traditional skills associated with that, that older population.
0: Again, what I love about your channel, I mean, Italy is, we refer to it as one country, but you just mentioned Sardinia, which is completely its own um, topography and regional specialties and ingredients. And even uh, the types of pasta that they create is so different from what you might find on the mainland.
1: Very much so. That's thanks to the history. I mean, I think don't quote me, but I think Italy's only been, you know, Italy for the last 160 years or mm. whatever it is. Um, someone will write and tell you what the actual number oh, yes. is for that. <laughs> um, so everyone's still feeling the differences. And actually, if you sort of say, oh, the Sardinian dialect, you'll get corrected. Well, I do. You know, it's like, no, it's a language. Mm. You know, it has its own culture. And of course, that's true. Um, Sardinia doesn't feel like Italy at all. It, there's quite a lot of Spanish in, influence. Um, well, I think so. Um and, and that's um, the joy of Italy, actually, is, is all these different uh, um, regions have had different kingdoms and occupations. Like Sicily has mm, had the Arabs right. and the Normans and, you know, that's a lovely melting pot. Um, and uh, yes, so that you're discovering, like we're off to Trentino, um, which is in the Italian Alps. And um, Livia, my granny finder, um, you know, emailed me yesterday, yesterday um, saying, they all speak German. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, and I said, do you need an interpreter? Yeah. And it's, it's um, because there's just familiar. such a great variety of, of uh, um, cultures, if you like. Exactly. And that's that's the wonderful thing of Italy, yeah.
0: And the food is so much, for example, in the northern regions, Mm. richer, creamier, more Uh, dairy-filled.
1: I call it the butter belt of Italy. Um, (laughs) You know, quite extraordinary amounts of butter get used. Um, So there's something called a ravioli, um, which is like a cigar-shaped gnocchi. And you get cheese, and you get cream, and you get butter, and this is all added to the gnocchi. And it's Mm. like city and delicious I mean it's only traditionally made for christenings and things like that um, but that's just so unItalian. italian you know we we tend to think of it as the Neapolitan um, that's right. cooking um, but it isn't this its not it has got this big variety
0: especially in the US the Italian Americans here they're much more uh, of a red sauce or southern Italy yes uh, lots of eggplant or even Sicily
1: yes yes and I think that's due to uh, the um, Immigration um, um, into the U.S. from um, that southern Italian um, part, you know, Campania, Sicily, that kind of thing. So that's not surprising. Um, It's all probably just three towns in Italy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've also featured some uh, Italian grandmothers here in the U.S.
1: Yes, yes. I I love filming Italian-Americans. I like seeing the differences and also how food um, plays a part in maintaining family life and Mm. maintaining traditions, even though you've moved somewhere else. I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, And purists say, oh, you know, they're using a different cheese. Mm, And, in fact, mm. actually quite often – the, cheese, the cheeses that you use are so local that if you're in Faenza, you'll be using a different um, cheese in Bologna mm. you know, 40 miles down the road. So yes. it's inevitable that adaptation happens. Um, so that's what I find quite in- interesting. Um.
0: And is there a large Italian population in the UK? I imagine there is, they're representing yes. a, a different yes. region.
1: Very much so. I mean, they seem to be harder to crack than the the um, ah. American Italians. Um, Why I think is that? Well, I suppose they've taken on the English mentality and are more cautious. Mm-hmm. And also, they come from a different part of Italy. That's they're right. coming from the more northern, the Emilia Romagna ah, end. I, I mean, see. in Bedford, they've got a whole bunch from um, Campania. But um, in in Glasgow and in Cardiff, you know… The history of it is very interesting. Um, so they, they were the ice cream makers in Glasgow and then there were the coal mines in Wales, for example, and the Italians discovered very quickly they didn't want to go down into the pits, so they sort of uh, had all these um, ice cream parlours and coffee parlours um, in Wales. So, But they've all come from um, uh, Emilia-Romagna, Emilia, in fact. Um, so it's interesting to find that out. So what they're cooking is entirely different to yes. what um, the diaspora are doing in America.
0: Oh, I can't wait to tune in. Let's crack (laughs) some Italian-English grannies. (laughs) Yes, if
1: you're out there, (laughs) you've got a grandmother over 80. (laughs) Yes.
0: Now, you have a shy Nona and you have your more, I guess, typical loud and boisterous Nona. Um, Do you have any, or should I say, who is your most memorable Nona to date?
1: Oh, I don't have just one um, memorable Nona. I mean, every time i we find an over-90 um, <laughs> nonna. that's very special. Truly. Um, uh, so there's Giuseppe in Sardinia. Uh, she's 97 now. Um, and she's fabulous. I mean, she's got such a naughty twinkle in her eye and is so full of joie de vivre that yes. uh, you can't help but love her immediately. Um, and, you know, we've got about 10 over-90 uh, nonnas, and they're all still alive. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, I think they all share characteristics. Like they're very engaged and interested, um, still. Um, so Giuseppe, um, when we showed her a video of her, um, neighbor almost, only a two hour drive, um, away, another nonna called Cesaria, who's 95, mm-hmm. uh, making lorigitas, um, yes. which is the braided, hooped pasta. Those
0: look incredible.
1: And, um, Giuseppe hadn't actually come across this pasta before, and she's only—you know—it's the same island. It's so like local, but she hadn't come across it, and so she immediately started trying to make it. She's saying, "Yeah, how does that happen?" And, you know, and she was fiddling with it, and it's like, well, that's fantastic at ninety-seven to still want to learn how to do it. Um, so, so that's one characteristic of these these women is very engaged. I don't think they've ever—they don't sit down. I mean, they're still rushing from. Um, you know, table to garden. um, You know, they still like to um, grow their own vegetables, that kind of thing. So they're an inspiration and a joy. Yeah.
0: Truly. I do want to talk a little bit about the realities of these Nona. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the recipes are delicious and they're a delight to watch. But a lot of what they're doing is not by choice, but by circumstance. Yes. They've had to be creative and frugal and mindful of their, you know, limited ingredients over the years.
1: Absolutely. Um, One shouldn't romanticize poverty and hardship um, because that's what uh, a lot of these women have lived through, food shortages, that kind of thing, which have forced them to be very mindful of their food. Um, No one throws anything away. It all gets recycled, reused, uh, or given to the chickens, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's great that we now have a choice. Um, and at the same time, I think we can still learn from what they are doing yes. and have done. Um, and so their diet is actually quite simple. Um, you know, we have an array of pastors on the channel, but the women themselves only ever master two or three pastors in their lives. Mm-hmm. They don't worry about what is happening down the road. They don't mm-hmm. feel the need because, you know, it was about putting food on the table. Um, and, of course, putting love on the table because that's, you know, if, you you have to feed your family. And if you can do that, um, that is a wonderful thing. Um, and so, yeah, we, we learn a lot from them, I think. And and so pasta is usually eaten um, at lunchtimes. Um, and they'll eat vegetables and salad in the evening. It's quite a, quite a simple diet that they have. And, and pasta is probably only eaten at, at Sunday lunch. It's not a daily thing. I see. Yeah. And um, it's
0: just a small amount, not an enormous.
1: That's the other difference, yes, is, is helping sizes are much smaller. Um, and, of course, I, I think they're getting bigger as well. I mean, you know, uh, we've had 60, 70 years of um, economic uh, growth and, and prosperity, relative prosper- prosperity. Um, so everyone, you know, it's, it's all changing Mm. Um, And that's one of the motivations is actually, you know, everyone loves their nonna in Italy, but in 20 years' time, what she's cooking for Sunday lunch is going to be different um, from what she's doing now.
0: I did want to ask you, because you would know better than anyone else, Mm. having been in so many Italian homes, Mm. how are the diets and uh, cooking traditions changing, if at all, as a result of more modernization?
1: Yeah, so the women, the the nonna that we um, film maintain what they've eaten you know that their habits don't change um but their daughters and their granddaughters are doing something different the daughters Mm -hmm. you know we all had this they all had this push to go out and have careers and Mm -hmm. so they left behind um cooking by from scratch cooking from scratch Um, so they go out to the supermarket and if you go to a supermarket these days in Italy I mean it has its gluten-free and it's got its ginger and its lime and Mm -hmm. its soy sauce and Whereas 15 years ago, that that didn't happen. So it's changing quite a lot. And and they've become more international, cautiously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You you know, the sort of Indian, in quotes, um, food isn't making inroads, but Japanese is. You know, Mm, it's that that idea, yes. Um, But then, you know, for the YouTube channel, our core audience, well, everyone loves it, all age groups, but are particularly popular with the 25 to 35-year-olds. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. So it's the grandchildren that are interested. And so I think they're discovering that actually, yes, you can have a career and a job, but we would like to um, stay connected with our tradition and our roots and want to make uh, food from scratch when they have the opportunity, even if it's at the weekends. Um, so that's interesting. Um,
0: I wonder if that's due to the fact that we are living in such a high tech world and there's so few opportunities for us to really put our hands in there get them dirty
1: yes I think that's that's probably the case I, I'm making pasta is very zen um, you know you have to enjoy the process and and the good thing is actually it's not that difficult either it's not like pastry and or bread making or anything it's much more um, kind and conducive to getting it right
0: <laughs> a little more generous yes we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Vicki Benison. We're back with Vicky Venison of Pasta Grannies. Uh, one question I just uh, forgot to mention earlier: Do you ever play back uh, footage for the nona after a shoot, and what are their reactions?
1: Um, delight. <laughs> um, and one of the joys of the book um, was to go back um, to the, with the nonas and um, spend a few hours with them, just having their photograph taken. So, of course, they all got in. Into their Sunday best and <laughs> and had their hair done and, and and things like that. But we were able to show the completed video um, again. I mean, they rely on I think their grandchildren to show them sure, YouTube. Sure. Um, they don't even have mobile phones. So um, and um, always delight and um, incredulity um, that you know they're world famous because it doesn't feel that different to them.
0: Aww. <laughs> But it is obvious when you see them, and they are spiffed up, and uh, yes. you know they put on a bit of lipstick and Absolutely. makeup. You and... never
1: cease to care about your looks.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's really not even about the recipe or the pasta. It's really seeing them have their moment to shine.
1: Yes, and um, most of them are nervous to start off with, and then because we make quite a lot of effort to make it a, a conversational session. You know, we come in with small cameras and we try not to use lights and mm. things like that. So we get them to relax. And, of course, we're speaking Italian to them. Um, so they realize that actually they're amongst friends. This is not a test or an ordeal. Sure. So, so we, we get them to shine um, if they want to. And they enjoy it mostly. Yeah.
0: And you're on their turf, which I'm sure is comforting that's, to that's them. That's very
1: unusual. I mean, you know, we are strangers to them. Mm. Um, and we arrive and it's unusual to be invited into their homes um and we open windows and and move the table and you know we sort of invade their house <laughs> and they all take it in good part um and that's great too we're always very um appreciative of their flexibility mm. we kind we occasionally get a grandmother going no you're not moving that table and it's like oh okay <laughs>
0: So how has it been? Because I'm sure they're very strong personalities.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: So it's the the charming uh, crew member plus yes. Livia. <laughs>
1: yes, who's also charming. She's fantastic yes. with them. Great oh, interpersonal um, skills and, and um, makes them feel very loved. Oh. Um, and, yes, yeah, so it's actually making them feel loved um, through the experience that's important. And uh, that doesn't matter if they're shy or ebullient. Um, if they're kind of quite noisy grannies, they get, they get the same treatment. <laughs> mm.
0: But ultimately, they also want to express themselves and their love through this one dish as well.
1: Uh, yes, they do. <laughs> I, um, so how it works is that you know that we will have found them through an organizer um, of or a food fair or, or festival, or the local mayor has told them to um, sh- share their expertise. So so they've been persuaded. So, you know, they start off a little bit cautious about this and then they enjoy it. It's a process for them.
0: As soon as the, um, I don't know what you call the the, the special Alliery. longboard, exactly, yeah. and the and the long rolling, the matarello yeah. come out there
1: yes. at ease. Yes, exactly. They're doing what they know. Yeah.
0: I would like to talk to you about uh, one kitchen tool that I see yeah. appearing in nearly every episode of Pasta Grannies, yes. and that is the little Nona knife. Yeah,
1: the Nona knife. I call it the Nona knife. Yes. I'm sure it has a, an official name, but it's um plastic-handled, serrated, uh, round-ended uh, knife. And they are cheap as chips. You find them in markets, the weekly markets, everywhere, all over Italy. Um, and they all insist on using them, and they, they terrify me. I mean, they cut onions in their hands. Yeah. And it's like, ah. <laughs> They're not the sharpest either. No, They're no. serrated. It's like, oh, gosh, can't you just use a board? This is terrible. Um,
0: there's a reason they don't use their board, though.
1: No, exactly. They don't use their board um, because they don't want the flavor of onion on their on their pasta board. So their mm. pasta boards are only used for pasta. Mm. Um, so there's quite an art to the pasta board. It can't be pine because that's too porous. Okay. And they've usually been made by a member of the family or the local woodworker or something like that. So in the mountains um, south of Bologna, they'll be made with chestnut wood. And quite often they're made with poplar or birch. Um, You know, if you're lucky, it's maple. Mm. Um, So these boards vary, but they're all kept in in cloth bags. Oh, okay. um, Unless they're out all the time. And um, so... And the Mattarellos, um, these long rolling pins, the very long ones are particular to Amelia Romagna and the surrounding um, regions, and further south, you don't get them. Um, that's because the nature of the pasta changes, and so your 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 pasta board might change. It, it can be smaller, and it can have ridges, um, you know, little ledges to stop your um, cavatelli from rolling off.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, they have a little <laughs> yes. lip.
1: Yes, they have a little lip. Um So it looks like a drawer um, with three sides and so that's because um, you're only rolling out ropes or snakes of dough and you're Mm. kind of making a cavatelli and so you don't want them falling off the edge. So you've got this, uh, the restraining bit of wood around the board. So that's why you see differences. Um, So big rolling pins are for rolling out your sfoglia, it's egg Mm. pasta and you're making ribbons or squares to make it you know fold into your um capelletti, whatever it is. So so the form follows function and it's a really fascinating someone should do a PhD on it. <laughs> Maybe you. Oh, no, no, <laughs> too old. And so back to the non-knife. Um yeah. these are, you know, it's come back to that frugal thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do any more washing up than I have to. Um and then the only sharp knives in the house belong to the husband who will, have, uh, who will use them um, for hunting or something uh-huh. like that. Um.
0: So they'll use it to break down the meat that yes. goes into the yes. ragu, for example. For
1: example, yes.
0: Wow. Um, I'm sure you've eaten so much amazing pasta <laughs> throughout this journey. Yes. Can you identify some favorites? I mean, take us through the region from the potato-laden gnocchi north down to...
1: Uh, so we've mentioned the, the ravioli. Yes. Um, and then you've got in the northwest Liguria, and you have some wonderful pastas there like Corsetti, mm. which are these little discs that are embossed um, with, with a wooden stamp. Um, and just to confuse everyone, um, there's another Corsetti, which is a figure of eight shape. Oh.
0: Um, <laughs> I've noticed a lot have the same name for completely different pasta shapes yes. or varieties.
1: And and the other way around. Um, so... One pasta can have lots of names sure, depending sure. on where you are. Um, and then, of course, in Emilia-Romagna, that's um, although along the Po Valley, the Po River Valley, you, that's kind of motherload of veg pasta. That's where you get the tortellini and the tortelli and the ravioli and the tagliatelli. And what we're all, familiar what with. What you're familiar with. And then you also get um, uh, the cappelletti from uh, La and they also have different lasagnas, down there, um, the is grassy and that kind of thing. Oh, yes. And then Tuscany and Umbria have this wonderful peachy. I love peachy. Oh. They're very easy to make and great with your kids because it's just like playing with plasticine. And,
0: we featured yeah. the peachy and we <laughs> love – it's so beautiful. And it's yes. hard to get at the store. Even if you no, wanted. even yeah. if you're short on time, you can't. <laughs>
1: no, you've got to make it. You've and got it's, to make it's, it. It's, it's, it's a really fun pasta, that one. That's one I do at home.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um, and then – by the time you get south of Rome, um, you're into the um, durum wheat flour mm. and water pasta. Okay. So, that's where you get the, um, you know, the cappellettis, the rasciatelli, the macaroni, um, which is sometimes called fusilli. Mm. And then the twiddly ones, you know, by the time you're in um, Sicily, they're called busiati. Eh, buziate, with an E on the end. Um, and... I'm I'm very fond of that one. That has a, mm. a pesto trapanese, which is this wonderful fresh tomato and almond and garlic oh. and basil um, pesto, which is fantastic. Sounds amazing. Yeah, summers only for that one. Mm. And also, you all have to eat it, or you want to keep vampires at bay, because it's very garlicky. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, um, and then, of course, Sardinia is another uh, thing on its own. You get these very elaborate pastas like Kula which mm. are filled with little ravioli, kind of almost dumplings that are filled with mint and potato. Mm. And then um, uh, you get the Fregola, which is like couscous. It's made it's like in the couscous. same method. Mm. Um, and that's – so all those – and lorigitas of course. And then we're going back in May, um, and the rumor has it, you know, the fishermen from Liguria um, – uh, settled on an island off uh, Sardinia, and they use tuna with their pasta. Yes. We don't know, but we think that's the case. Um, if someone knows, they can get in touch. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah, tuna. Uh, so tuna with pasta. Yeah. yeah, because that's where the tuna come, The tuna fishing happens in that part of the world. So in May, I gather. So we'll be going back to see what we can find then. Oh, um, I'm so excited! So it's still a process of discovery. We haven't covered everywhere, and even if you know we've done tus, done in quotes Tuscany there are still sort of pockets of um, of, uh, of these regions that that have pastas that we don't know about.
0: Um, I mean, enough to fill another book. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes when,
1: once I've finished promoting this one. <laughs> yes. Well,
0: that's why I enjoy how you um, kind of divided up the recipes in this book because it really takes you on a regional tour of this – this area tends to, like, their pastas with added pulses and beans. Mm, mm. This one.
1: We we thought about how to structure it um, from a kind of cooking point of view. So um, pulses, you know, every region has um, a pasta and pulse mm-hmm. um, combination, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Um, it's a great combo. Um, and... We thought no one ever thinks, oh, I'm going to cook something from Amelia Romagna tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, They think I'm going to do something with beans tonight. So we've kind of went for that classification, if you like. Um, You know, pasta in broth, pasta with beans, baked pasta. Actually, no, we didn't have space for baked pasta. We had to put that in in amongst all the other categories. That's right. one (laughs) One of the frustrations of a book is that you only have So much space. I mean, I'd love to have put everyone in, but we uh, were limited to 75 uh, recipes. Um, So, yes, there's definitely room for more. (laughs) And who did your photography? Did you shoot everything Uh, as well? No, the very wonderful Emily. She's fantastic and wonderful with the grandmothers as well, Um, even though she doesn't speak a word of Italian. just the way she smiles at them and they all kind of smile back and, and that shows in the photography. It absolutely does. Yes.
0: What recipe or recipes would you recommend a, a new cook to venture mm,
1: I think upon? we've talked about peachy. I yes. think that's quite an easy one um, to, uh, to do. Also, raschiatelle. Maria's raschiatelli with pepper sauce is a very easy one. Um, you just get, you make a kind of snake of dough and, and you cut it up into pieces and you just roll your fingers through that little piece mm. and voila. <laughs> that's your pasta. It's that easy. Um, and it's quite fast, particularly if you get friends to help, you know, invite them to supper and get them to make their own pasta.
0: That's right. <laughs> Just open the wine. Exactly. And then it'll be done in no a new time. fashion. <laughs> How did you choose the pasta for your cover?
1: Uh, so that was very interesting. We had a whole process of what to... Uh, the, the Dutch and the German um, versions have um, Maria and Rosa, um, respectively, on, their, on the cover, we mm-hmm. just like the idea of the hands are so evocative, yes, and and this plate is typical of Faenza, um, uh, which is like 40 minutes um, southeast of Bologna, and this is a traditional plate, which happens to be pretty at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, in the end, that's what we went for. Mm.
0: Well, it definitely succeeded. I think the hands are key. Yes. Because yes. they've seen a lot of yeah. stories. That's right. <laughs> and... I know you mentioned Billy so lovingly uh, throughout the book and always, but uh, what are your and Billy's favorite recipes to make at home on any given weeknight?
1: On a weeknight? Yes. All right. <laughs> you... Okay, so Billy, my husband, I'm looking around at him and, <laughs> and he's, <laughs> we don't eat pasta during the week. <laughs> That's because I eat pasta um, three or four times a day <laughs> when I'm filming. So I'm usually trying to take the kilo off that I put on <laughs> while filming. <laughs> he complains quite regularly. <laughs> um, so, yes, I mean, um, and to be honest, um, during the week, I don't get time to um, make fresh pasta either. Mm. Um, but I, when I use dry pasta, I am now quite a princess about the dried pasta that I use. So I have my favorite um, pasta makers um, from Italy, and that's okay. the pasta that we use. So it's got to be... Um, the ones where it looks like a cat's tongue, you know, oh. you can see that it's been through a bronze dye, and they're yes. not cheating and just kind of putting that layer on.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think you need to um, these producers um, when they you, they dry them out at low temperatures, and they say that it's the is the still living. It's you should uh, be able to smell the wheat when you open the packet of pasta. Mm. So that makes it a different thing altogether when you're making supper. It becomes something special um, there, and worth the, worth the extra dollar oh, yes. that you've paid.
0: Um, are there any brand names that you can mm. share with our listeners oh. if they're at a perhaps a slightly higher-end Italian yes. market? What, yes. What are if some you're, If pastas? you're in an
1: Italian deli, um, I think Pasta Martelli um, from Tuscany. It's a bright yellow bag. Um, they're friends. So full disclosure, I like them a lot. <laughs> uh, there's also pasta mancini, which is based in La Marque and is local to us. Okay. And they're special because they actually grow their own wheat um, uh, to make sure that they can maintain the quality of their pasta. So off the top of my head, those are my two favorites. That's great.
0: Mm. And what are uh, what are you keeping in your
1: pantry in terms of Italian ingredients? Anchovies um, for all that umami. Um... Making sure my garlic is fresh mm. It's one of those things that you find is, is quite easy to get really not very good quality garlic. And making yeah. sure that's fresh and, and not too much of a green no anima, mm. yeah, as they call it in Italian. Um, that's important. Um, the good quality pasta, um, olive oil, um, that's important. And, of course, making sure your eggs are very good quality, too. You know, you, you, you've got a two-ingredient um, thing that you're making, you know, the flour and... And the egg, so make sure the eggs come from happy chickens if you can. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so yeah, and it's easy. <laughs> carbonara. So of course I you was would just going to, to say carbonara. carbonara is your classic thing. Um, so eggs and one Charlie, if you can, but the pasta police won't shoot you if I it's was, pancetta.
0: <laughs> if it's pancetta or their, you know bacon yes, is often shock a, a shortcut. Yes. <laughs>
1: Don't worry. It'll taste lovely.
0: It sure will. <laughs> I know, so no peas in carbonara. Um,
1: no. I mean, by all means, <laughs> put peas in your carbonara. I'm not purist, but don't call it carbonara. It's just sure. your invention. Mm. It will be lovely. Mm. <laughs> Actually, there's very much um, um, a chef friend of mine. Um, that's what she has a mixture of um, minced up prosciutto mm. with peas. And you, and you stew it with onion. And that is a thing. Um, that is a sort of Sunday night supper thing. It's absolutely delicious.
0: I mean, th- how can it go wrong? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you could actually buy the, the little packets of ready minced prosciutto in Emilia Romagna. Uh, <sighs> so, yeah.
0: I'm headed over. <laughs> right now. <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> um, we're going to take one last quick break and we'll be back with Vicky of Pasta Grannies. Welcome back to Chowhound's Table Talk. I'm here with Vicky Benison of Pasta Grannies. Uh, I'd love to ask you, Vicky, what is your favorite kind of weeknight friendly pantry pasta?
1: When the cupboard is bare and I don't feel like cooking, I do a chickpea and pasta uh, recipe, which my husband adores, thank goodness. Um, Tin of chickpeas, garlic, rosemary, um, a puddle of olive oil. And you let that saute very gently while you boil the pasta and um, drain the pasta, mix it up with this, and uh, mush up the chickpeas, um, mush really? up half of it so you get a bit more of a sauce oh, nice. and uh, mix that with your chosen pasta. I usually have something like fusilli um, in my cupboard and that's it. sort of done in 10 minutes and it's absolutely delicious. You can sprinkle parmigiano over it or not, up to you. And um, I could eat that. Every week, <laughs> probably do.
0: <laughs> I was fortunate enough to try that recipe, and I think that little knife tip of cayenne really Oh yes, also so, thank did you.
1: Yes, yes, knife tip of of cayenne is is essential. Actually, is.
0: Yes. <laughs> I'd meant to ask you what are some regional specialties of La Marguerite? It's on like the central east coast.
1: Yes. Um, so our specialities are vincis grassi. It's a type of uh, lasagna, oh, traditionally so um, for the ha- the harvest time to feed workers. And it uses chicken um, and chicken offal as well. Mm. So it's quite unusual. Um, There are two types of vincis grassi. That's the poor one. And then the the richer one uses, both princes and aristocracy traditionally, uses truffle and cream and prosciutto um, as a layer. Um, So both are delicious. Um, So... Going back to the poor version with the chicken offal, is you make a very rich tomato sauce and you layer that with your pasta, and the actual chicken itself is um, eaten separately as the main course. I see. Mm, That quite often happens with meat.
0: I see. And are you including any livers or kidneys as well?
1: Gizzards. They stuff the neck um, with the same with the meat, Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's a hearty dish for midsummer.
0: That (laughs) sounds delicious to me. Yeah. Uh, what other cuisines do you enjoy uh, cooking and eating at home?
1: I like several um, different types. Um, so I very much enjoy anything from the Middle East. And I've always enjoyed Paula Wolfert's books. Oh. Yeah, I think she's an excellent writer. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, Yota Ottolenghi. I mean, how could we not uh, uh, cook without him? It's it's, beautiful it's great. He's yes, beautiful food. Beautiful food. So all those kind of herby, vegetarian-led dishes, although I eat everything. Um, And sometimes a little bit of Thai, uh, because my parents lived in Bangkok for many years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, But though I have to kind of follow the recipe, it's not intuitive um, with that one. Um, So yes, those those are the ones that I enjoy making. I'm gonna have to learn about Korean food, by
0: the way. I was just going to say, if you need a tutor, I'm happy to oh, cook good. along there You're with on. you. You're yes,
1: on. come and stay in Italy, and and uh, I'll teach you Italian, and you teach me
0: oh, Korean. Oh my goodness! If, <laughs> I mean, you better watch your words because I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there next week. <laughs> um, what can we expect from you after Pasta Grannies? I'm sure this kind of format lends itself to so many beautiful iterations.
1: Yes, um, Pasta Grannies will continue. Um, I'm going to film more grannies, there's still, um, areas of Italy that we have yet to get to, uh, like Calabria, mm. um, and, and areas to return to as well. And of course, um, as we discussed earlier, there's American, um, pastor grannies, Italian Americans. Um, and I would like to do things like, you know, pastor grannies goes to Japan, <laughs> pastor grannies goes to Korea. Yes. <laughs> um, because I think anywhere that has longevity in their populations, uh, the, they have a lot to say for themselves. And that you know, the, the women have experienced a lot and um, have all these wonderful traditional techniques and dishes um, that are worth learning about and sharing I'm and so- celebrating. Yeah,
0: that would be amazing. I mean, I know you're looking more horizontally, but I think also vertically to look at bread or risotto grannies. Oh, yes. Uh, grannies or <laughs> oh, yes,
1: you're, yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, we do film um, risotto grannies. Uh, there wasn't room for them in the book. <laughs> That'll be the next one. So, yeah. yes, horizontally, um, the breads. Um, sweet things aren't actually my thing um, because I think I'd be completely spherical if we um, ended up doing too many dolce. Mm. But sometimes we have, actually, over Christmas – we did film yes. three to celebrate Christmas, um, as sweet dishes, um, and it's wonderful also to inspire other people to do it. Um, you know, I've had people write in from El Salvador and you know talk about Armenia and places like I will never get to. Mm. And so that's I'd love to see other people um, filming their grandmothers. Um, yeah, but that's an aside. That's you know I just hope I like the idea that it's spread across the world and it's inspiring people.
0: Or can we keep tabs on all of your beautiful <clears throat> projects?
1: The primary um, social media platforms are uh, the YouTube channel, um, Instagram, and we also have a newsletter that you can sign up to from the, the website. And that's another thing that we'd like to do is develop that a bit more. And, um, and uh, this year I'll have more time to you know, love people through the newsletter and send it out every month.
0: I'm subscribed already. I love to receive it. That's how I learned about Billy's favorite pasta. Okay. <laughs> um, well, thank you again so much for coming uh, to visit us here at Chow Hound. My Friday evenings uh, couldn't be more complete without a fresh episode of Pasta Grannies and a glass of wine. I truly um, love your creativity and real dedication to these women. It's so much more than just food. It's, it's a real homage to... Uh, what they've been through in their very long, long lives.
1: Thank you very much indeed for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much, Vicki. Thank you so much for listening to Chowhound's Table Talk. Keep up with the latest on our site, Chowhound.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social.